You know I'm gonna get you, yeah. Whatever it takes to get there. No, I won't drop you like everybody else does. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the very first Basement Talk podcast of 2021. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy that we are slowly but surely approaching the very first birthday of the Basement Talk podcast. I don't know when that is. I have to look, but odds are you will be hearing about it in some form or another. And I think the the Christmas gift that maybe we alluded to, birthday gift, whatever you want to call it, we're just going to encompass it all into one, is the return of the Quizvitational. But we will be talking about that another time. But my co-host is back with us today, Jake Simone. Jake, happy new year, number one. Number two, I think that this is the show that when we redid the BTP and you know we were trying to plan out exactly what we wanted to do, I think this was the show that you were looking forward to probably the most. Am I wrong? Uh, I think you'd be correct. I think uh, maybe – I, I assume you're alluding to the coaching carousel in the NFL. That is what I'm alluding to. Yes. So I think I'm more looking forward to grading the hires rather than saying who I think would be the perfect hires for all, all the teams. But yeah, right. definitely exciting. Gase is out of my life for good. I never have to look at him ever again on the jet sidelines and uh, 2021 Granted, it's not off to the best start for everybody, but uh, for Jets fans, they have to be pretty happy that uh, Adam Gase is gone forever. Yes, he is. He is gone forever, and I have not seen um, Adam yet. Of course, Basement Talk Podcast fans show. Go check that out if you haven't already. He had said that he was going to change his allegiance from the Jets to the Giants if Adam Gase was brought back for another year. So... Adam's Jets fandom is safe, which I'm yeah, sure I, that he I never is more than fear. pleased about. More yeah, than they were, ne- they were, ne- they were never going to bring him back. It no wasn't. No, 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 God, no. And well, may, we'll have this discussion because fuck it, who cares? Are you of the ball that they need to be drafting a quarterback? I think I draft a quarterback at second overall. As much as it kills me. Uh, I do think Sam Darnold can be good. I'm not as down on him as most, but at the same time, his fifth-year option is next year for $25 million. Not really worth picking that up when you could kind of restart the clock. It just seems like the timing is right for the new head coach to pick his quarterback. Um, You could build around him because, as we know, this team has many holes. So while the quarterback is on his rookie deal, we could build the roster around him and kind of grow at the same, at the same time he grows. And unfortunately, Sam got a raw deal. I wish him well. He's a great guy. And I think he still has a bright future in this league. If he lands in the right situation with uh, the right coaching and some playmakers around him, but just the timing doesn't add up for Sam. I don't think, you know, I, I saw an article the other day before I ask you the the penultimate question before we move on and, and you know break down what we're gonna do. I saw an article the other day that had Sam Darnold being traded to Dallas. Yeah, I don't understand why why would the Cowboys want him? 
I think the the premise of the article kind of was centered around that Dallas just decides to dump Dak. Yeah, I think Sam is – if I have to pick a landing spot for Sam, I know we're getting a little out of topic here, but I think I would say the San Francisco 49ers make a lot of sense on the West Coast, elite-level coaching. We don't know how high Shanahan was on him in that draft. I think they're going to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to land with the Patriots this offseason. A little spoiler, I know we're probably going to break down the musical chair as a quarterback one of these weeks. At some point, but, probably. Um, yeah. So I, I think – the Niners make a lot of sense. They really don't have the draft capital to move up, so to say. I know they don't have a third-round pick this year, so that might hurt them with trying to move up for Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and they're not at the draft spot to pick a quarterback. I don't think they're even going to get a Trey Lance, so they would have to reach for Mac Jones or Kyle Traskin. Um, I think Shanahan wants somebody that can kind of move around a little bit and just make more plays than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think if you just redefine – Stamps decision-making process and break down his mechanics and kind of start from scratch with him and make him flush the last couple of years. I, I think you can get a steal with what uh, you could trade for Sam Darnold. And I think that makes a lot of sense for the Niners. Who are you picking Justin Fields or Zach Wilson? Justin Fields. I, I don't think it's really close either. I, okay. It's not as, I don't want to make it seem like that, but Justin Fields, that has to be the guy for the jets. Hey, I am, Wilson. I am repping the Ohio State University on this podcast, just by chance, may I add, just by yeah, chance. Yeah, it's going to be – yeah, I know we're going to talk about the national championship, and uh, it's a big test for Justin Fields. If he lights it up, if he does the same thing against Alabama as he did against Clemson, I don't really know too many Jet fans that would be upset if they were to draft Justin Fields. You know, it's it's not a bad argument. It's not a bad argument. We will talk about – I'm sure we'll be talking about the semis when we get to the natty. I'm sure we'll uh, – We'll pre we'll review the natty the, the semifinals and talk about Justin Fields and how amazing he is and how Dabo Sweeney is a fucking dickhead. We'll we'll, we'll probably we'll get, get there. Yeah. I'm I'm very excited to talk about it in case you can't tell. So Jake, let's go to the one consistent thing in this podcast every single week. Your deep sleeper, sir. My deep sleeper is I think sports gambling in New York is going to be legal before the Super Bowl. That's a deep sleeper of mine. I know it's in the works. I know Governor Cuomo is going full on New Jersey nowadays, and I think it's going to be here for the Super Bowl. And we can kick off this year of 2021 on the right foot and flush 2020 down the drain because I think that would make a lot of people really happy if we can get sports gambling legalized in New York State especially for the Super Bowl. That would be a grand entrance, to say the least. That would make so many people just so ungodly happy. Yeah. Mainly men. And that would probably have divorce rates go through the roof. Or marriage But that's rates. okay. Yeah. That's okay. You, 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 make, you make your choices. We are, we are all about choices here. Pro-choice, yeah. There we so go. If, you, if you choose to go and place a wager on us on a particular game, you go ahead and do that. By the way, so you remember how I was down 13 bets in a row? We snapped out of it. We snapped out of it big. So Sunday, Sunday I was down roughly 180 bucks, roughly. 
I threw all of my balance that was left to get back to down about 40 on Mark Andrews over three and a half receptions. So it was either going to be I'd be down 400 bucks or I'd be back up to like down. I think it was down like 50, something think, along those lines. I think I would have put the deed to my house if I would have seen that three and a half catches for Mark Andrews. That's that's nothing against the Bengals. Well, Mark Andrews was stuck on three for the longest oh, time. Oh, man. I was shitting myself. Then the last drive, Lamar Jackson was not even in the game. It was whomever the backup was. I forget off the top of my head what the guy's name was. It wasn't McSorley. It was uh, no. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. It was the it was the RG three Lamar Jackson prototype. It was their fourth guy, whomever it was, got the completion of Mark Andrews for four. There we go. Got the completion for four, I, and then I won, and then I won a parlay as well with a two teamer to get me back even. But then a future hit, and then I was down, you know, the the fifty to pay the future. But overall, it was difference. Yeah, yeah. And I, so, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, go going off our basement bets last week. I actually listened to my own advice and placed a nice wager on uh, Ohio State plus seven and a half. So there I you go. We, well, I think you liked Ohio State last week. No, I I love them with the spread. Yeah, love them. No, with the I spread. placed. I didn't even bet on Sunday. I just placed it all on Ohio State. And if they lost, they lost. And. It was a relatively stress-free night if you had Ohio State on those tickets, yeah. I got to say. A- yeah. After the first drive, I was like, well, I feel like an idiot. But Yeah, I mean, if you went for any of the over-under action, I sincerely apologize because, my God, did were both those games just the complete and polar opposites of each other. Yeah. But if you went for any of the spreads, if you took Notre Dame – and the points, congratulations, because that was yeah, ballsy. I would never. No, I, I wouldn't have done it. No way. I would not have done it. But I am up 60 bucks this week. There I've we go. Three nights in a row, I've hit a parlay. So we're we're doing that all right. Nick spread. Nick spread every night. You know, They were one of them. They were one of them. I, t- I took the Knicks last night, and I was just watching Austin Rivers go off in the fourth quarter. I was, I was so hyped. Love to hear that. Hey, five and three. Feels great, doesn't it? Oh, it feels so nice. I'm just I'm preparing myself though for the collapse that is just inevitable. It's coming. Thibodeau is playing like Barrett and Julius Randle a lot of minutes. I saw that. Like, well, they we really need Obi Toppin to come back. Yeah, but they, a lot of minutes. So, like, did they even sit down in the second half the other night? It felt like they were out there. Literally the whole second half. Mitchell Robinson played kinda, thirty-five plus minutes last night. I know that's that's a lot of minutes, man. That's 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 tough to sustain over a season. No, it is. That's and always been the thing with him, especially when you when you are a coach like Thibodeau, that is so high intensity, high defensive pressure, always on the ball. You know, it's nice in theory early in the year when you have fresh legs and you're just going at it. So it's like, Oh, you know, okay, great. But then it's, you know, it's when you start getting to game 60 game 70 and you're, you know, you're pushing for a playoff spot, potentially, you know, are those legs going to be the same? Are guys going to be more motivated to really, you know, just go full send on the ball? You know, I, I don't know. 
I don't know. But I, listen, I like what I see out of my Knicks. I'm happy. I'm rather I like it when you're happy. Well, there are not, certain- but not your Cowboys, though. Not not those Cowboys. I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. Sign Sorry, crickets. I just needed. I just needed to moisten up my esophagus for what I'm about to say. <sighs> okay. Is this your deep sleeper, or are we? Uh, not, no, no, not no, 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 no. This is this is a personal vendetta that I have. I hope Andy Dalton gets launched to the goddamn sun. Uh, everyone was saying how good he looked the week before. I don't know. I tried tried to tell everyone. It's Andy Those Dalton. Cowboys. Why should people be surprised? Like, I'm oh not. god, oh god. Um, well, see, I will make a confession on the podcast. I did not exactly have a deep sleeper, but then I was running through what we're going to be talking about. I was saying, shit, is there something maybe that happened that was highly controversial that everybody was talking about and are still talking about throwing games? How could that not be the deep sleeper of the week? Doug Peterson had the, the right idea, man. That's exactly what the Jets should have been doing against the Rams. Yes. In week, whatever it was, up by 10 or whatever the Jets were up by, no problem. Let's throw the backup James Morgan in there and lose this game the noble way. Listen, kudos to I, Doug Peterson. I will say this, and there are two this, this is one of these arguments that we have as a sporting community where you are either on one side or you are on the other side there is no middle ground on this and it is fascinating just how many people are so split on this issue i will say this the new york giants i have zero sympathy for agreed they are a six win team and they were complaining that because they were a six-win team, they deserved to go to the playoffs. I use deserved in air quotes. If you're a six-win team, you don't deserve to be anywhere near the playoffs. Let's make that abundantly clear. That's number one. Number two, Doug Peterson did what every other team does around this time of year. There's nothing wrong with what Doug Peterson did. The problem, the underlying problem, is that Doug Peterson decided to do it on Sunday night football in game 256 of the regular season when everybody is watching, when there are playoff implications on the line in what was then a three-point game. So you start to ask yourself, number one, what does Doug Peterson want to see in Nate Sudfeld that you, I, and everybody else don't already know? Number we two. We already know he was trying to lose. Yeah. Yeah. But my little thing, and I, I said this on other programs this week, 
don't you, wouldn't you want to see what you have in your young quarterback that you just spent a second round pick on and basically gave the keys of your franchise to in a close game in a high pressure environment on Sunday night but, football? Yeah, no. Wouldn't no. you want to see that? No, it doesn't matter because what good what does the what do the Eagles gain if they win that game? Oh, nothing. Like, nothing. They gain so, nothing. Yeah, then it doesn't matter. They already know what that does. Really, does another half of football change your opinion on Jalen Hurts than the opinion you already formed from what you saw this year? No, absolutely not. I, for me, yes. For me, yes. Because no, I at thought, all, man, I thought. No, here's my thing with Hurts. I don't think Hurts is all that. I don't. I think he's better than I thought he was going to be. Going to be yes, honest, no, no doubt, no doubt. I think what what I see in Jalen Hurts, I, he kind of reminds me of a Lamar Jackson esque sort of guy just bigger obviously and not as fast but where I see the comparison between the two is Hertz and Jackson both have their inconsistencies when it comes to throwing the ball because Jalen Hurts at the when he got taken out was seven of 20 passing yeah Lamar's That's a lot dreadful. more careful with the ball than, than Hurts is though I think for sure for sure and I think that comes with experience as well that Lamar knows well, he's always that, taking care of the ball yeah even dating back to his rookie year he was always careful with the ball it was just the accuracy issues, particularly short to medium. Well, I mean, Lamar where... Lamar is a runner. We all know how he is, and I think he's done it, you know, consistently enough in college, now in the pros, where he knows ball security is paramount. Whereas a thrower, yeah, I think he's a bit more um, – he's not willing to really take that chance. I think maybe deep down Lamar knows that, you know, he's not as consistent of a thrower maybe as he wants to be. Whereas yeah. Jalen – do we know what kind of passer he is? No, but just getting back to what we were saying, man, the Eagles did nothing wrong. Um, I would have done the same exact thing. I wouldn't have even, I don't even know if I would have started Jalen Hurts, to be honest with you. I, I don't, there was nothing to gain out of winning a full, there's nothing to gain. Like, why should the Eagles, no one cares about your playoff spot, Giants. Don't put yourself in this situation, plain and simple. I don't think they did the right thing in terms of trying to gain popularity points within their own locker room because now we've heard uh, you know miles sanders come out and basically say that everybody was against it yeah of course they'll they'll get over but the problem is will jeffrey laurie decide to keep doug peterson around i don't i honestly don't know as if i was a player in that situation where you've put in 16 weeks plus of dedication, hard work, effort into the season. Obviously didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. And now you see the guy that's supposed to be running the ship for you, your head coach, essentially just saying, you know what, we're we're done. From a player perspective, I don't see how Doug Peterson can go into that locker room again and face those guys man-to-man. That is where I would say Doug Peterson messed up. But in terms of the long-term prospects of what the Eagles have in terms of picking sixth instead of picking ninth, it obviously is better for them because they need, they can go out and they can get a receiver. They can go out and get a corner. They can go out and get whatever they want to go, go out and get. Well, yeah, their biggest issue is probably linebacker, but I know we got to move on just real yeah. quick. Shoot. They were on the same page that definitely came down from above. If Doug no Peterson, if Doug Peterson was not going to be retained, do you think he's caring about the Eagles draft position? Of course, he's going to try to win the game. Because he doesn't care. 
So that came from above. They're all on the same page. And the players, they'll get over it. They'll get over it. it. Next year, there's a long ways before week one of next year or when they come back for training camp. I don't know if they're going to have a mini camp this year. They'll get over it. Have a nice offseason. Go take your vacation and stay safe. And when we come back here, they're going to be focused on the next season. So now, Jake, we move on from talking deep sleeper and all of the wonderful, happy things that have happened so far in the year of our Lord 2021. So we're going to do that some more. We're going to talk about some baseball. And I know that this is probably the – This is I is, am I wrong in saying it? This is the one sport that I think you love talking about the most? Me personally? You personally, yes. Yeah, I do love baseball. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about the most. Uh, I probably like talking Jets football the most, but definitely baseball is a sport over the whole NFL. Yeah, uh, I think you're accurate there. You must hate yourself. If you love talking about the Jets, just like I hate, I hate myself my, talking about the Cowboys, but I love it. I hate, I hate, I hate myself, but I think it's just going to be a great story one day. It's, it's, it's just like you know, you're, you're, you're smoking crack. You know, it's not good for you, but you do it anyway. Talking about the Jets, talk about the Jets, smoking crack. See the comparisons. So, what has happened in baseball since we've last discussed? Well, a lot has happened, and we're going to start by talking about probably the biggest shift that we've seen so far in the offseason. And no, I'm not talking about those lousy neighbors in Queens who we'll get to in a minute. San Diego Padres going out and acquiring both Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish. We start with Snell. I think that was a deal that, that they had to make. They absolutely 1,000% needed a top-tier front-of-the-line lefty in that rotation. They went out, they got it with Snell, and then, and then, 24 hours later, proceeded to go and rob the Chicago Cubs blind for you, Darvish, and the Padres didn't even give up a top 100 prospect for you, Darvish, which is borderline crazy that they were just able to do it. So, I mean, it was either that the Cubs just really, really liked one of the guys that they got back or it was a matter of, it was a salary dump. Try, try it. it was a salary dump because this is a tough year for MLB teams. And that's why the Mets have such an advantage this off season because the new owners are coming in here with a clean slate where the rest of the league, you didn't have a ballpark of fans the entire year. Clearly you lost I wouldn't say lose money, but you didn't make as much money as you normally would make. And if you didn't have fans and a ballpark every year, a lot of these owners wouldn't be owning teams because they just wouldn't be able to operate. Um, so getting back to the Padres and their trade for the Cubs with the Cubs, that's a good example of that. The Cubs are just trying to get rid of players and shed salary and kind of wipe the desk, decks clean where when we're in a little bit more of a normal time, they're able to spend money and kind of rebuild because they kind of know they're in a little bit of a neutral position right now and trying to build for the future. And, and it's just a bad thing for baseball that the team that just finished in the World Series last year is suddenly trading away their best pitcher in Blake Snell. It does, With it's the Rays, so bad yeah. for the game. With the Rays. And 
they also traded away a good relief pitcher, Jose Alvarado. That was, right. uh, you know, a hard throwing lefty. A lot of teams would like him, and it, it's a shame. I'm not as a as a Yankee fan, I'm glad to see Snell and Charlie Morton get out of my life forever. That that's true. That is very true. Um, as we're talking about baseball, there is some breaking news. Um, George Springer now. George Springer wants one hundred and seventy five million dollars. That's what he's looking for. And it's looking like it's either going to be the Mets or the Blue Jays for Springer. Yeah, I think I think the Mets might pivot to Bauer now. I'm not going to lie. But where, where the whole thing is, though, the Mets rotation this year, they have Syndergaard, they have DeGrom, now they have Carlos Carrasco. I know I'm missing someone in there, no? And, I guess they, well, and then if you're plugging in a fifth guy, it would be Mats. Mats, he shouldn't be a lock, though, for the rotation. No. The Mets might get Trevor Bauer, man. I think it makes more it makes more sense to them, but we're we'll talk about the the Mets in a minute. I just want to stick to the Padres for a second and go down this avenue now. Outside of the Dodgers, who we know what they're about, is there a team in the National League that you think can contend with the Padres and the Dodgers as the rosters are right now? This isn't this isn't um, putting into the equation if the Mets go out and get Bauer. I think I would say no at the moment because I don't think anybody can compete with the Dodgers in general in the National League. I think the really? Dodgers you still are, th- you still think the Padres yeah, are leaps yeah. and bounds behind the Dodgers? I do. I think okay. the Dodgers are by far the best team in all of baseball. Okay. Like they are, dude. They're like a generational type of team that we're going to be talking about for a long, long time. No, I think it's I think it's very fair to say. I think it's very fair to say. But um, I I think that obviously they close the gap, but at the same time, you have to give the leg up to the Dodgers, man. You have Bellinger, Betts. You're going to get. uh, They brought. Did they bring Justin Turner back already or no? They're working on it, but They're it's probably going to happen. It's it's probably going to happen. And you still have Clayton Kershaw. Bueller, Bueller didn't even throw the ball that well last year. No, the Dodgers. he didn't. He was very average. Yeah. So, And then they're even working on that bullpen. I love what they did in the offseason by bringing back Blake Trinan, which we talked about in our yeah. offseason preview. Mm-hmm. And they brought in former Yankee Tommy Camley, who I'm a little disappointed the Yankees didn't bring back. Right, and if they can go out and they can sign Liam Hendricks, Brad- which they Talking about doing a Brad Hand, yeah. Brad Hand. I think Brad Hand makes more sense for them. I think they need a lefty in that bullpen. Yeah, I mean, it makes more sense. As for the Cubs, and the the Rays, the Rays will be fine because this is what the Rays do. They always seem to, you know, trade guys at the peak of their value and get players back. I think one of the more intriguing guys that the Rays got back in that deal for Snell was Francisco Mejia, who was former top prospect as a catcher. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to reclaim some of that, you know, wonder and an aura that he had when he was a top prospect. And people were calling him one of the best catching prospects in he shot <laughs> very in a very, very long time. I think he shot, but we've seen crazier things with the Rays in terms of their magical healing abilities the pitcher they got though is very just i know uh, i'm sorry to cut you off there but the no, pitcher good. that the pitcher they got luis patino he's going to be really good he throws yeah. he throws hard and yeah. the Rays analytic team there's something going on there it's a lot like the astros he, he's going to be good he's a good sleeper this year for all the fantasy baseball players out there 
Like I, I could see him definitely. He, he got a little bit of a taste of the major leagues last year with the Padres, but uh, with the Rays, I could see him really uh, taking that leap uh, with the new team. As for the Cubs, and this is where I kind of lose the connection because now I'm thinking about, you know, what do the fans say about something like this? The NL Central is a very, very winnable division because I don't think you have out of themselves, out of the Cardinals, out of the Pirates, out of the Brewers, I don't think that there is like a team that we're all hopping on and saying, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's a team that can win the division. People, There's some people that will say the Reds. There are some people yeah. that will say the Cardinals because of the Cardinals. People will say the Brewers. But there's like the, every single team has a hole. And I think if we're talking, you know, we're stacking up the rosters and we're just looking down and to see who had the most talent on their team before this Darvish trade, I think some people would say the Cubs. Uh, I think the Reds with Bauer were probably better than them. With Bauer, uh, sure. With Bauer. I think the Cardinals are the best team, undispute, uh, like the undisputed best team in the division, to answer your question. Probably. I Jack Flair, I think with Jack Flaherty, uh, Paul Goldschmidt's going to – turn it up eventually Goldschmidt, St. Louis Cardinals uniform Goldschmidt is fine he's he, you know you know what he is by now 25 yeah. 25 30 home runs 90 100 yeah. RBIs just what he does gonna get Jordan Hicks back too from mm-hmm. Tommy John surgery this year yes uh, I I like the Cardinals a lot and uh I think the Brewers are gonna be much improved uh Christian Yelich needs to stay healthy but when he's healthy he's one of the five best players in baseball as far as they I'm need concerned pitching they need pitch starting pitching desperately yeah it's the but, same story with the Brewers every year. Is that one to one to nine in their lineup, they're fine. But they just they don't have that front of the line guy that makes me go, wow. I know they have Brandon Woodruff. I understand that, but he's not a guy that makes me just go, wow. You know that's a, you that's know, a great but, number one. Yeah, you know who does is the St. Louis Cardinals with Jack Flaherty. He's gonna be a well. He already is a special pitcher, I think, but. Um, you know, I just to answer your question though, I would say the Cardinals, I the, keep the pirates out of it. They're always going to be yeah. pretty irrelevant mm-hmm. and, uh, they're probably still, they're going to probably trade Jamison Tyone, um, Joe Musgrove. They're, they're going to be selling, but I, I would put the Cardinals there and I think the Cubs are doing the right thing. I think they could get back. They could get closer to world series contention by kind of tearing it down a little bit and retooling. I think Chris Bryant is would be a wise decision to move off of. And when they're there, they should be competing for World Series, not just to be part of the dance in the playoffs and uh, give their fans another World Series title to be proud of. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough one though to sell uh, to sell the fans of the Chicago Cubs on for sure. Um, especially if it means a season where there probably could be a uh, bit more losses than uh, <laughs> they than waited a hundred years. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So they can, uh, they they've they've peaked. The Cubs fans, they they've peaked already. All right. So now let's go and talk about the the noisy neighbors, New York Mets, of course. Um, on what what the hell's today? Thursday. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Yeah. So on Thursday, the Mets, of course, traded for 
Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco from the uh, Cleveland Indians, uh, the marquee name at least going in the opposite direction uh, to Cleveland is uh, shortstop Ahmed Rosario, who we we speculated here on this podcast that if the Mets were going to go and make a move for Lindor, the marquee name in that deal would probably have to be Ahmed Rosario. But outside of that, Andres Jimenez is a good player. Yeah, but that was more of the. I think he arguably was the headliner of the trade. Well, in terms of you know what it could be two, three years down the line, unless unless you think he's ready to go right away, he's a good player. He played well for them last year. Um, obviously, he's not going to give you what Francisco Lindor did, but if you're the Mets, man, you're if you're going to lock up Francisco Lindor long term, you just committed a highway robbery. And I think we need to start looking at the Mets a lot differently. This isn't the Wilpon uh, coupon run Mets anymore, man. This is they're going to try to become. Uh, one of the best teams in the league, and uh, I don't, although I don't think the Yankees should care what what the Mets are doing, and I think the Mets are trying to be really good, and the Yankees are already really good. We got to start taking them seriously as a whole for, in baseball. They're not a joke anymore, and they're going to be they're starting to operate like a big market team, and that's going to change a lot of the free agency forecast going forward. The Mets are always going to be linked to big names moving uh, moving forward under Steve Cohen. Whoever sanctioned this deal from the Cleveland Cleveland Indians should be fired on the spot. This is highway robbery, no matter which way you look at it. I don't I, listen. I did not necessarily write Ahmed Rosario like a lot of people did. Um, I understand, you know, throughout MLB circles that he is very highly rated, but for me, he he just is never a guy that made me go wow. Lindor. And Carrasco, we'll start with Carrasco. Let's just say that his floor as a number three starter right now is a 375 ERA as a number three, which is basically what he's done, his career average. I think that's fine. I think that's fine. I think he's in a division where I don't want to say it's – you know, a cakewalk by any means, but I think there is more swing and miss potential in the NL East for sure. Now, obviously the quality of player is much better in the NL East versus the AL Central. When you're talking about now, Carrasco is going to be going up against guys like Bryce Harper, potentially going up against a JT Real Muto, Freddie Freeman, or Ronald Acuna, etc. But he's being asked to do this as a number three behind the best pitcher in baseball, hands down, far and away, in Jacob Degrom, and put your Yankee bias aside. He's the best pitcher in baseball by a million I, miles. I don't think so. I think I think Cole's right behind him, but continue. Are you are you, sa- are you saying that that Degrom is still better than Cole though? But you're saying that the gap is not as big. The gap's not that not as big, and okay. I think I think Garrett Cole's best baseball is only ahead of him, and I think as Degrom ages, it, it's all right. I know I'm going to get killed for it, but it is what it is. I'll be the voice of common sense and reason here. Degrom is a, the best pitcher in baseball, bar none. But then you have the reclamation project with Syndergaard. Who knows what he's going to come back and be like? So that's a big question mark there. 
you now have insurance behind those number two guys, which let's be realistic. Have the Mets really have had backup options in that rotation for when Syndergaard or DeGrom are not going in those three, four, five spots? The answer, the answer is no. And now they're starting to really build on that. And the real question that I have here is, let's just say they do go and sign Bauer. And this is where we'll have now this Trevor Bauer Mets discussion. And now you have a rotation of DeGrom, Syndergaard, Bauer, uh, Stephen Matz, and who was the uh, – oh, Carrasco. Forgive me. Those are four righties in that rotation right then and there with the lefty in, in Matz. And Drew, now I think you'd probably have Drew Peterson ahead of Matz. Okay, so you put you put Drew Peterson in there over Matt's fine, and any lefty that you that you want to put in there, you still can the Mets get away with having one lefty in that rotation? Probably because the four righties that they have are really really good, and at least three of them would be aces on any other team in baseball. In Bauer, Syndergaard, Degrom, if Bauer goes to the Mets. I don't know if Syndergaard's an ace on all that. I, mean, I think Syndergaard's more of a number two than a number one. But, yeah, Bauer and DeGrom, absolutely. Okay. I mean, listen, I, I, I agree with you, Jake. I, I just think that the Mets, they're making moves. They're making moves. We, they we, all, knew, we all knew this was coming. Um, I just think now when you look at what they've done so far in this offseason where they've brought in James McCann, now you have Lindor, and now you have Carrasco. Obviously, they still need more in the middle of that lineup. So Springer, for me, makes so much sense for them. It hurts. Having Lindor go there will definitely add some pop. Question is, will they put him in the middle of that lineup as a 3-4 or 5 hitter? Will they put him as a 2? Will they have him as a lead or the leadoff guy You know, before McNeil? I don't, I don't really think so. But listen, I mean, there is a lot of promise for the New York Mets if you know, you now are adding Lindor to an already really great core of New York Mets that have that are there already with Alonzo, McNeil, Syndergaard, and, uh, and and Degrom. Agreed. And they're, they're I'm nervous. Formidable. <laughs> I'm nervous. I don't, I, I don't really care what they do to be honest with you. Like, you know, they're in the National League, man. I care more about what the Red Sox are doing and the Blue Jays and the Rays are doing before the Mets and good for them. They have passion they, fans. They're a little brain dead sometimes. To yeah, the New York Yankees. <laughs> to the New York Yankees. I don't want to talk about them too much because my Ajita will just go through the roof. If you don't know what Ajita is and you're not Italian, look it up. Just fucking sign DJ LeMayhew. Please. Please. Yep. They'll go. They'll go and give Aaron Judge three hundred million dollars, but they won't be able to go pay DJ Lemayhew. No, 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 no. I would. I, I would rather you pay DJ Lemayhew and just say to Judge, "Bye." No, stop. No, no, that that's ridiculous. Don't. Bye. That's wrong. How is that wrong? Because he doesn't Judge play. Is a franchise. He's a franchise player. Lemayhew is a complimentary player, dude. Who's thirty-two. 
What difference does it make, though? Aaron Judge is not reliable for half the games that are played. He's not reliable, but when he is out when he there, does he's play, yes, maker. yes, you're being abs- that, that's, that's that's like a get off my lawn stone cold take. Judge is a special player, difference maker. He needs to stay healthy, but when he is healthy, like we saw in his rookie year, he's an MVP candidate, and we don't just when let he's players healthy. like that. Yeah, listen, listen if you. If you're if, if you can guarantee me that the Yankees are making it to the playoffs every year and Aaron Judge is there, of course, pay him the three hundred million. Uh, you know, that's I, totally I fine. Gar- <laughs> Have you seen the AL East and how much worse it's gotten? The Yankees are going to be the playoffs again next year and probably the year after that, guaranteed. Even with the lack of pitching that they have, I mean, I mean lack we, of pitching that they have. They, they have, have the they have the best pitcher in the American League right now. Okay, Cole. All right, what's behind him? Severino's coming back. I granted he's a question mark, but Big Tommy John sur- Tommy John surgery is not what it once was. I think Sevy's going to come back guns blazing this year, and I think he's ready to roll. All right, next. And then it, you, well, Tanaka's a free agent. We got to see what they do there. Um, Montgomery showed you some things in the playoffs last year. I that agree. He I, is I like capable. Montgomery. <laughs> uh, Davey Garcia, we saw some things from him too last year when he got mm-hmm. a chance. Yep. And also Clark Schmidt, we saw him a little bit last year, but that doesn't really count. A full tra- a full training camp, a full spring training. You put Clark Schmidt on the roster after what uh, two weeks or whatever it is. I, I don't know mm-hmm. what the whole thing is about the uh, yeah uh, two weeks. extra year. Is their top rated prospect for a reason? Let's see what the kids got. And, and how about Herman? And how about Jamingo Herman? He he hasn't thrown the ball that well in winter ball, but Herman if he won eighteen games for a reason, right. uh, just two years ago. So I Here's think the one- Yankees are, the Yankees will be fine to answer your question. They'll figure it out. Here's one for the Yankees, and this was one that I was actually reading before we came on, and I find this very intriguing for a lot of different reasons because, yes, the Yankees need the pitching. It's very blatantly obvious. But there are people out there that have said that the Yankees have the inside track if they want to go this avenue to sign Corey Kluber. Would you do that on a a low-risk – one year, one million dollar sort of oh. deal where you have in incentive laden bonuses, you know, fifteen starts makes X, uh hundred strikeouts makes Y, etc. I can't think of a bad one year deal. Um so yeah, but I would prefer for us to to go down some different avenues. I would call the Pittsburgh Pirates and see what they want for Jamison Tyone. I agree. Or Joe Musgrove. I think I agree. both of those would be a really good improvement and a solid number three starter than what James Paxton was giving you. Cause I think James Paxton is kind of shot now. I would not bring him back. And I think their upgrades over Masahiro Tanaka too. And I think Masahiro Tanaka should go play ball in Japan. Um, because I think it's time's up with the Yankees and I don't want to see Masahiro Tanaka in another, in another uniform, but guy was throwing 89 miles an hour last year. Yeah. We can, repl- we can replace him. What about Jay Happ? You want him back? Now, it's, next quit. Just we move <laughs> off the subject now. I knew you'd like that one. I knew I, I knew that would bring a ripe smile to your face. Oh, God, help us. <laughs> next. So we'll move on from one team that provides you angst to another team that provides you angst with the uh, New York Jets in our uh, coaching carousel segment. So what we're going to do for this is 
there are, as of right now, as of time of recording, there are six openings. Jacksonville, Houston, Atlanta, the Jets, Detroit, and the Chargers. We're going to go through each of those teams, talk about who would best be fit to go in there and be the head coach of those teams. Obviously, there's been a lot of reports linking, you know, a lot of top candidates to certain jobs. Um, namely, you know, the first one we'll talk about is Jacksonville. Urban Meyer has been heavily, heavily, heavily linked to that Jacksonville job. We may not necessarily say Urban Meyer is the best fit for the Jaguars. I know I won't. Because for me, a guy who's taking, you know, two Lipitor a day should not be coaching on an NFL sideline. Let's make that abundantly clear. But we'll go through each of these teams. We'll talk about what they need in terms of a coach, what, you know, the, what specific strengths they should be having in that area. Um, so, yeah, let's just go right into Jacksonville. And, uh, Jake, I'll let you take the first one here. Um, the best fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars is blank. Is Urban Meyer. Derb Meyer, and I'm going to explain to you why. Please, please do. Because it's more about the overall fit. So I get it, Shad Khan has this weird theory of him having control of the roster. That can't happen. If that's the case, then no. But I think if you're hiring Urban Meyer and you're paying him the $12 million a year that Urban Meyer wants, I think Shad Khan is going to, you know, do what's best for the franchise and let urban Meyer pick the guys he wants to go to war with every Sunday. And just Jacksonville needs an identity and you're getting Trevor Lawrence. You kind of need that rock star head coach. That's going to come in there and, and give you some excitement. Jacksonville to me is more of a college type of atmosphere where Miami is a Miami. Florida is really a Miami dolphins state and Miami is a professional sports town. Whereas Jacksonville, you know, you got all the schools and no one really cares about the football team in Jacksonville, the Jaguars. They've never been too relevant. They have a tough time drawing attendance. I just think selling Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer to proven winners from the college ranks is going to draw that much more attention to the team and just give them that identity. And that's not to say Urban Meyer is a bad football coach either because his record speaks for itself at the college level. And with all those draft picks, you need a guy that's familiar with the college ranks and can evaluate talent that he spent years evaluating as a college coach. And I, I think it's just a perfect hire. And I'm just so jealous that uh, Jacksonville gets to reap the benefits of a great coach like Urban Meyer when that could have been my team. For me, the perfect fit for Jacksonville is Dabo Sweeney. Here's why. But that's unreal. I get it. It's I get it. But like, I'm going I don't think off, it's unrealistic. It's so unrealistic, bro. You're not leaving. You're not leaving. I don't think so. You know what Clemson's buy? You know what the buyout is of Dabo Sweeney at Clemson? A lot. It's like like $59 million. Why would he leave there, bro? A lot. Why would you leave Clemson? Because you are not going to get, if you are Dabo Sweeney, odds are you are not going to have a better prospect in your ranks than Trevor Lawrence. If you want to make the jump to the NFL, now I don't know if he does, but if he He does. If he does, let's just say this hypothetical world that he does, there is no better time to do it than now. Because now I think there is. Yeah, well, if the Green Bay Packers called him whatever three or four years ago, you don't think you'd rather coach Aaron Rodgers? 
Let's say Andy Reid no, retires. He would. he would, but I don't think that he wouldn't do it because he does not have one of his boys. We know what Dabo is. Dabo's going to go to bat for his guys, and there is no more his guy than Trevor Lawrence. Let's make that 100% clear. Well, we thought, we thought that about Deshaun Watson. What, what about the Texans job? That's not a great job for Dabo. He loves Deshaun Watson. He could. He's already, he's already a proven elite NFL-level quarterback. He could. He, he, listen, definitely, he definitely needs a culture change in – Oh, a thousand percent, thousand percent. But and I don't know how Dabo's, uh, you know, his MO, I feel like, well, I'm not, you know, obviously nothing against people of faith or whatever. I don't know how that goes over in the NFL, man. I don't think that whole mentality of, you know, prayer and just that it reminds me of, do you remember when Mark Jackson was the uh, Warriors head coach? This is the NBA kind of turned off some players. I, these are grown men, man. Like you can't, it's, it's very different going from college to the NFL. And I think urban has more of that mentality of a business-like approach than Dabo. If that makes any sense to you, I, I don't know how it would translate. So I don't know how it would I think translate. He's perfect. I think he's perfect for college. Now, I don't think he's ever going to leave college because he would be a complete moron to leave Clemson to go coach the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, why not go to a renowned franchise that has like at the Pittsburgh Steelers job ever becomes available. There we go. That's a perfect job for a college guy to leave. Cause that's proven stability there. Whereas with Jacksonville, you don't know what the hell you're going to get from Shad Khan. He's got like 25 suits against him in the league or something ridiculous like that. It's a poverty franchise. Listen, I don't, I, 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 I have my doubts about Urban Meyer as well when it comes to players and long-term guarantees from someone like Urban Meyer. I mean, if you're t- if you're telling me that he's got a 3-year window to show his worth, then then sure, give it a chance. Yeah, we but don't wish health. The guy's on heart anyone, can, but... the guy's heart can give out in 2 yeah, years. We're obviously not hoping for that or No, of not course not, but it's that, realistic. But... It's what caused him to leave Florida, it's what caused him to leave Ohio State. Uh, I think he left Ohio State for other reasons, but um yeah, Florida it definitely was an issue. Um, but I think Urban Meyer's re- if Urban Meyer wants this job, I don't think he's getting back into it if he's not ready for it, and, and that's the bottom line. See, I think there's another job on here that makes sense for Urban Meyer. I mean, I'm not, I, I didn't have him as a fit for any of these spots. I'm excited just, to hear it. I think we'll the get one, to it. Well, I didn't have him as a top hire for any of these teams, but I think if there's a team on here that makes sense for Urban Meyer, it's Los Angeles. It's the Chargers. They have an established identity already with Herbert. They just need a guy to come in there and, you know, continue to groom him and make sure that this that, that coaching regime that's gone now, Anthony Lynn, that was one of the worst coaches in the league in terms of decision makers. Good man, but not a good coach. Agreed. We can agree on that. So we move on from Jacksonville. We go to Houston. Um, I'll be the first one to uh, to give this one. Um, for me, this is a very easy uh connect the dots here it's Eric Beniami, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs I just think that Deshaun Watson needs someone in there that is going to bring a more a better offense that suits him and what his strengths and weaknesses are um, obviously there is a lot of speculation as to whether or not Deshaun Watson is going to end up staying in Houston as of now, he's under contract, so there's no reason to believe that he is going to 
get out of Houston or want out or ask for a trade or anything like that. But I think someone like Eric Biniemi, you bring him in, that's the kind of hire that, you know, you're kind of giving a bone to your quarterback a little bit. You're kind of saying, okay, we're bringing in a guy who works with the best quarterback in the National Football League right now and Patrick Mahomes. We're bringing him in. He's going to be a guy that you're going to get to work with. You're going to get to really provide your own input into the offense, you know, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And he'll put you in the best position to get this Texans team back to where you believe that they should be. And that's contending for the playoffs, contending for at least on the surface, what appears to be a very winnable AFC South next year. Now there's no sure thing of that because the Houston Texans are as dysfunctional as dysfunctional gets must be a thing that just kind of happens in the state of Texas with dysfunctional NFL franchises. But I think, uh, I think Eric Biniemi is, uh, is, is the tailor made fit for the Texans. I actually have them hiring Joe Brady. I think that would be the best fit there. I think that's really maximizing your investment in Deshaun Watson. I think if you can have a duo of Joe Brady and let's say his defensive coordinator is someone like Gus Bradley, Wade Phillips, where you kind of have that, um, I don't want to call it the head coach of the defense and head coach of the offense, but if it was to work with the team, I don't think it works for all teams. I think it would for sure work with the Texans. And I think they need a breath of fresh air in there from Bill O'Brien, someone with new ideas for the offense and really take it to the next level. And uh, Joe Brady is as good as they come as an offensive mind uh, in football, in both the college ranks and the, uh, the pro ranks and, also, his age, it might be a turnoff for some that he's a little young and inexperienced. I think that is a pro because I think you want that continuity where you're not going to be worried that Joe Brady's going to retire anytime soon and he's going to be linked with Deshaun Watson for life. And I think that's part of uh, the thought process in hiring a Joe Brady for the Houston Texans. I, told, I, I think it's a great hire. I have Joe Brady on here. I have him for, for another, uh, another squad. Um, but I think, you know, we're on the same page that, you know, you need someone to come in there and is going to be tailor-made to Deshaun Watson and what he wants. And, you know, you have to do what you got to do to keep your your star player and your star quarterback uh, happy. So let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons. There is a lot that has to be done with this job. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot. This is, I, in my opinion at least, this is a complete teardown and start over um you know i don't want to be boring i really don't but i think the best fit for the atlanta falcons is sticking with what they had and i'm going to say raheem morris is the best fit for the falcons i think the falcons responded very positively to uh, raheem morris they played much 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 harder than they did under uh under raheem morris than they did under dan quinn and I think Raheem Morris, that that for me seems like a fit for him, but that is not a situation that I would want to be in because I could really see Atlanta just deciding to say, you know what, gut the whole thing, trade Matt Ryan, trade Julio Jones, see what you can get for them, and just start this rebuild all over again. Yeah, I would I would try to I would try to run it back with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I don't think Atlanta is as bad as people think. I would not keep Raheem Morris there. They still blew leads left and right in Atlanta. They have to move on from that whole Dan Quinn era. I think they need an offensive-minded head coach to kind of 
take Matt Ryan to that next phase of his career. And this is where I think the perfect fit is for Eric Bieniemy. I think he needs a veteran quarterback and his lack of Eric Bieniemy is a, a bright offensive mind. There's no doubt about that, but Andy Reid's not following you along. And I think he kind of needs someone with experience to kind of help Eric Bieniemy transition to being a head coach in the NFL to make that the perfect fit for Eric Bieniemy. And I think that's a great match right there. Matt Ryan and Eric Bieniemy working together and the Falcons need a leader. They need to hold each other accountable for the blown leads for the past couple of years. And uh, someone that's really going to fire up the troops and, uh, I think Atlanta is not that far away. I get it. Uh, you could disagree. I think they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of overpriced stars, particularly on defense. But this team uh, should be competing for their playoff spot. I think so. We even saw it this year. We saw it this year at times. And if you hold, if they hold on to leads, they're right there. How many close games they lose this year? Good amount. So – those games could go either way. It's the same thing with the Chargers. Like this they're, team, they're they're right there. This team is in just such need to just tear it all down. I I don't think you do that just yet. I think you could do that another year or two. You you could draft the quarterback at number four and let him sit behind Matt Ryan for a year, kind of like what the uh, Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. That could be an option. And I know Eric, Eric Bieniemy was there for that whole experiment. So he definitely has experience kind of working behind the scenes with the younger quarterback. But in terms of a leader, holding people accountable, leading men, along with the veteran quarterback, I think this is a great fit for Eric Bieniemy uh, to kick off his uh, head coaching career. Do we, and th- this is a tough question to ask because I know that none are the same, but. When you look at Matt Nagy, when you look at Doug Peterson, you look at now Eric Biniemi, all coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree of Kansas City offensive coordinators that now become head coaches. Two of them have not been super successful. One did win a Super Bowl, but outside of that, you know, you're not really seeing a lot from from Doug Peterson. Is there some concern maybe that – you know, you're hiring another Andy Reid assistant and no, – I mean, No. No, because the, the difference between Biennemi and Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy, players absolutely love Biennemi, and they rave and rave about his leadership traits. I think that is a big part of being a successful head coach. You could have all the good ideas in the world. It does not matter if you don't have people behind you. I think Biennemi has that about him. And also – those two were the quote-unquote quarterback guys. Eric Bieniemy is a running backs guy. He was a running backs mm-hmm. coach in Kansas City. So I think if you can get a coaching staff with Eric Bieniemy as the head coach and his offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, who was the quarterback's coach in Kansas City, I think you're off to a great start there. Abs- I, no, I, Bieniemy definitely does not concern me about the Andy Reid coaching tree. I think he's the exact opposite personality-wise than Nagy and Peterson. It's time for the New York Jets. Um, I'll give mm-hmm. mine before I let you uh, have yours. You know, this is a tough one because I think it's very clear that the Jets need an offensive-minded head coach, clearly. So if you're looking at the top options that are out there, Joe Brady is an option. Matt Campbell is an option. Arthur Smith 
is an option. I think they need someone, though, that's going to be working with whomever their young quarterback is going to be, whether it is going to be Sam or whether it's going to be Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, whomever, whomever it's going to be. Brian Dabble's that guy for me. Yeah, I think Dable would be a good choice. Um, I don't think he's the home run hire. No, so to say. neither do I. But uh, very hard to get upset at that if you're a New York Jets fan. Um, certainly get behind Brian Dable. Definitely, and we saw the Buffalo Bills this year and how he's worked with Josh Allen to really work with his tools and really mold them into a, a perennial um, quarterback every year that's going to be in Pro Bowls, all pros, MVP. But I think the Jets need more than an offensive mind. I think the Jets need an identity. I think the Jets need a culture change. I think the Jets need excitement. I think the Jets need a name that's going to hold everybody accountable and that's going to command the respect of his players. There's kind of a 1A and 1B to this question. Um, I You're going to kill me for this. I think Jim Harbaugh would be a home run for the Jets. That's my yeah, choice. We, talk, we talked about this one. I think he would be an instant rock star in that building. I don't think he would settle for any of the nonsense that I've seen the last 10 years since Rex Ryan has left the building at uh, Florham Park. And Joe Douglas has a background with the Harbaugh family, obviously hiring John Harbaugh in Baltimore. So I'm sure him and Jim have crossed paths from time to time. So that's just something to think about there. And everywhere Harbaugh has gone, no matter what you want to think of the job he did at Michigan this year, granted it wasn't good enough, but look at the quarterbacks he was working with. And it was a very quirky season too, where we didn't even know if college football was going to be played this year. Everywhere he's gone, he's turned the program around. Look at what Michigan was before Michigan hired Jim Harbaugh. They're now at least a respectable program where they're relevant again. Look at the Niners before Harbaugh took them over, took them to the Super Bowl. Uh, Stanford became the most physical team in the Pac-12. Like, who the hell talks about Stanford football other than Jim, Har- other than when Jim Harbaugh was there? So I think that would be great. If they can't land Harbaugh, he wants to go back to Michigan. I think you have to bring in a Matt Campbell, Pat Fitzgerald type. I think they need more than just an offensive leader. I think they need more of a – I don't want to say CEO because I hate that word. More of a head coach with head coaching experience – that has an offensive background, if that makes sense, rather than just an offensive coordinator. We've tried the coordinator route before. I think this is the direction we need to go. I think if you were to go out and you, Matt Campbell, I like Pat Fitzgerald. I love, I like I them both. Love. I don't think we're going to get Pat Fitzgerald. I, no, think neither he wants do I. Bear, I think he wants the bears job. I don't think we're going to get Matt Campbell either. No. I think the most realistic of those three choices is Jim Harbaugh. And that would have me, Beyond excited because at least that shows me that the Jets are that would show me that we're we're just done settling for nonsense and we're gonna bring in someone that's coming here to win and it's not gonna put up with this nonsense that I've been watching since Rex left in uh, was here twenty four well since the twenty ten AFC championship game. Well if Harbaugh if Harbaugh signs that new contract with Michigan, that's kind of off the table. Well, there's a reason why he hasn't signed it yet, I think. He wants to see what's out there, and I, I listen. I have no, I have no problem with if the Jets want to go out and sign Harbaugh. I think that, despite all that he is, and there are a lot of words that I can use to describe Jim Harbaugh, the one thing I will give him credit for is, like you said, Jake, he does know how to build a foundation for a program. Yep. That's what he does know how to do, and he also knows how to lose to Ohio State very, very, very well. Well, well. who, who doesn't lose to Ohio State? True. Everyone loses Ohio State. Everyone loses to Clemson. Everyone loses to Alabama. 
that's what we're getting on him for? Well, he doesn't beat Penn State either. Eh, some good Penn State teams. Some good Penn State teams. Some good Penn State teams. Fair. Fair. But I, I, I wouldn't be Obviously opposed not this to year, it. but, you know. I wouldn't be opposed to it if that is the uh, the route that they go. Anybody anybody that hires Urban Meyer is getting an automatic F for me. I'm sorry. I love Urban. I love him. He's given me some of the uh, great sporting moments of my life, but that would get an F for me. Just putting but, that out there. So you, but you think Dable is more is a better? Why do you think Dable would be? I'm I, I'm sorry to spend so much time on this. But no, no, I'm no. Just no fascinating to hear what you have to say. Go why do you think Dable is a better fit than Urban Urban Meyer than like a Jim Harbaugh, Matt Campbell? Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I think that a I've considered the realism behind this one, whereas okay, Dabo Dabo was more of a you know connect the dots. I understand it's not necessarily one hundred percent realistic, but Dabo I think is a realistic hire for the Jets. Number one, number two, it takes the basically the crafter to their biggest division rival now with Buffalo away from Josh Allen, which, you know, Brian Dabble and and Josh Allen, we know the relationship that that those two have and what Brian Dabble has been able to do with Josh Allen. You take Dabble away from that. You know, what is Josh Allen now? You know, you you, you can, people can ask that question. I think it's a very fair and honest question to, uh, to ask. I'm a big Josh Allen guy. I've been a big Josh Allen guy from the very beginning. And I don't think it would change much, but it's a very fair and honest question to ask. So if you want a guy that's going to go in there and has a proven track record of grooming and producing and building up a young quarterback into a franchise quarterback, which is exactly what the Jets are looking for, that's why the dabble one makes the most sense to me. Okay, so it's more about real – because Jim Harbaugh, we know, is capable of that. Um, So it's more about a realistic – perspective and me personally he's the betting favorite so he's definitely realistic (laughs) me personally i don't think harbaugh comes out i think harbaugh stays at michigan i think you're right but i think he'd listen i think if the jets call he would listen i think he would he's he's interviewed interviewed with the jets before in 2009 so right there's always i just feel like there's always something there between the two of us and i'm just hoping and wishing on my my stars that they would align and we we get someone in here that's going to turn us into a winner but i know we got to move on to other coaching vacancies but that was fun let's go to the worst one detroit who the hell is going to take this job yeah this one was an easy one for me i think detroit needs someone that actually embraces being in detroit and that's robert solid to me i think they need a whole culture change that's a team that i think needs to tear it all down i think matthew stafford needs to be traded i think they should let kenny galladay walk um what else they gotta do trey flowers was a complete and utter Disaster, disaster yeah. of, of an off-season signing. Maybe try to find a way to get out of that contract and tear it down. Uh, maybe draft Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. Maybe move up if you have to. I don't know if moving up really helps them because they need a lot of help. So that job, I don't know who would want other than someone that has a lot of ties to the Michigan area and would embrace being in Detroit, which isn't common. <laughs> so they have to find someone that wants to be there. So I think Sala makes a lot of sense, and he'll get them to play hard and help develop the young core that they're hopefully going to bring in to rebuild this football team. That's the guy I have written down literally to a T Rob Sala. That's, that's the only guy that I see as the textbook perfect fit for Detroit. The only other guy that I thought of here was an Arthur Smith, but I think they need someone that is more QB centric 
than Arthur Smith, who we know is more running back friendly. So unless you want to bring in someone that'll help DeAndre Swift become Derrick Henry, then you then yeah, go hire Arthur Smith. But yeah, Rob Sala, that that one for me makes makes the most sense. And you know, like you said, Jake, that would be a a blue collar football team in in Detroit, Absolutely. and it's and it's a hire that I think makes so much. Sense. He's going to do a lot of what Brian Flores did to the Miami Dolphins. That's who he kind of reminds me of. I I, I agree with the you. Miami Dolphins. So I agree with you. Yeah. And I think Brian Flores is an outstanding coach. Outstanding. But the problem is Tua sucks. That that that's the problem. Yeah. I think their I think their offensive schemes in general suck, but Tua hasn't True. Tua hasn't really shown anything no. where you go, wow. Nope. So that's a different argument for another day. It most certainly is. So last one on our list. It is the Los Angeles Chargers. We have been waiting for it since the very beginning, and here it is. Joe Brady, this is the one that makes the most sense for the Los Angeles Chargers. Put two and two together. We saw what Joe Brady did with a young quarterback named Joe Burrow at LSU. This is the guy that ended up going number one overall in the same exact draft as Joe Burrow went number, uh, excuse me, as Justin Herbert went number six to the Los Angeles Chargers. You pair a young lively offensive-minded head coach in Joe Brady with probably in my opinion the best looking young quarterback from this rookie class I know Burrow did what he did but Herbert broke every quarterback rookie record that there was and you could say game script you could you could say whatever it was but Herbert looked terrific doing it and I think that's that's the point uh in what I'm trying to make here is you now have Brady coming in with Justin Herbert now, and you kind of do what the Rams did, who you happen to share a stadium with, by the way, with McVay. And this is this is an a la Sean McVay hire as it possibly gets. So you would have Sean McVay, Joe Brady in the same building, building in – Southern California. And it makes so much sense because you need a guy that's going to continue to progress their young quarterback. And this is what Joe Brady does. This is what he does. Joe Brady right. to the okay. Chargers. Easy. Yeah, that, that would definitely be exciting. Um, I have a little bit of a different opinion of what they're going to do rather than Please what share. I think would be the best fit for them. Please share. I think Brian Dable is a great fit there. I think that that's who I had going there. Obviously went to high school with Chargers general manager, Tom Telesco. So there's some yeah, familiarity there. That's true. I think like you alluded to with Joe Brady, Brian Dable has proven that he could develop a franchise quarterback as well. And has a little bit more coaching experience. He's been around nice. the league much longer than Joe Brady, but I think the Chargers are a little bit like the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think they're pretty cheap and I don't think they want to, take the offensive coordinator away from like, do you really want to switch up your whole offensive staff with Pep Hamilton? And uh, I forgot the offensive coordinator's name. I, that's pretty stupid. I should, probably should have had that written down, but they like him a lot. So it, the issue really wasn't Justin Herbert. The issue was late in games. You weren't getting first downs. Your defense was out of whack, blowing leads a lot like the Atlanta Falcons. So 
I don't know if they're going to really want to make wholesale changes. So what I think they're going to do is you're going to get a kick out of this one. I think they might hire Jason Garrett as their head coach. I think oh. there is a little bit of validity behind there because oh. I think, yeah. I'm, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Jason Garrett's as bad as you think. And you're, you, are the, are the Cowboys better without him now? No, because they hired the wrong guy. Okay, but but is he is Jason Garrett that bad of a coach though? He's not like Adam Gase. As like, an we, offensive we coordinator, he's fine. As but a head I don't coach, th- but they're gonna do what they. But I think the Chargers are ultimately gonna do what the Cowboys did this year: bring in Mike McCarthy. We're gonna keep Kellen Moore. So I think that's kind of the mold that they're gonna go down. Another name to keep an eye out for. Another name that might make you laugh, but. He's well-respected around the league. Do I want the Jets to hire him? Absolutely not. How about Marvin Lewis? Oh, my God. I thought – see, when you said I was going to laugh, I thought, oh, who but could this be? Who it, is this probably, guy? Who's the but guy? I think, but those are the kind of guys that I think the Chargers hire, if that makes sense. Is J, like a Jason Garrett, a Marvin Lewis. Very guys vanilla, that just want to get back. Hires. Exactly. Guys that just want to get back in the league, and I don't think they want to switch up their whole entire – offensive coaching staff they haven't come out and said anything yet and honestly why would you want to shake up your staff that might justin herbert hearing more voices do you really want to mess up a good thing that you had going with the kid but i would bring brian dable in because i think justin herbert could be that much better with brian dable but i don't know if the chargers are going to think that though and by the way pep hamilton if he shakes free from the chargers he needs to be on some radars this offseason he did an outstanding job there and the Jim offensive- Harbaugh assistant by the way Okay, go ahead and move on. The offensive coordinator, by the way, that you were looking for? Shane Stitchin. Okay. That's that's the yeah. name of the guy. Shane Steichen. I think I'm pretty sure I heard the name Steichen, but yeah, Steichen? Stitchin. I think his name is Steichen. S T E I C H E N. So it could it could be Steichen. Could be. But Herbert apparently loves him. And as we know, we saw this with Baker Mayfield in his rookie year. He loved Freddie Kitchens too. That's why I think they should hire Brian Dable but I think they might go with one of those retread experienced head coaches cheap just doesn't really fit their DNA, but I hope so. I hope they hire Joe Brady or Brian Dable because I want to see Justin Herbert do well. I think he's great for the league. He's great. All right, Jake, you want to, uh, you want to guard each other's throats now? Let's talk about the natty. Okay. So, before we get into actually talking about the national championship, I want to talk about the semis. Obviously, Alabama took care of business as we all predicted versus Notre Dame. Not really a huge surprise that Alabama were very comfortable in that matchup. And Jake, did we... And I, I, I asked this question very loosely because I don't think we did. I think we know all that there is to know. But did we learn anything about Alabama from that Notre Dame game, good or bad? No. We know they're about to get that much better, though, with Jalen Waddle coming back. If he comes and, back, yeah. No, he, he's coming back. He's he, he's coming back for Monday. Get get ready. It's I know we're going to get into our predictions, but – I think they're going to be that much better. And the other thing that we learned is Devonta Smith is by far the best college receiver in the country. 
And I don't know how – I mean, I saw Sean Wade attempt to play defense for Ohio State last week against Clemson. He was playing defense in the parking lot. That ain't going to fly with, Dev- with Devonta Smith. And it's going to be a long night, to say the least. Did I, say, did, I not, secondary. did I not say it, Devonta Smith was going to win the Heisman? You did. I give you credit there. Very deserving and very. I thought, I thought I thought it was more of a quarterback-driven award. That's why I said Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. But I um, was shocked that he did not come second. It was Trevor. Th- that well, that's just the media bias right there. Of course, of course, yeah, they have to give it to the Golden Boy, and he's never won a Heisman in three years, so they have to. Yeah, that that I don't they have to give him. A, they have to give him a silver medal. Exactly. Yes. Ridic- abs- absolutely ridiculous that Trevor Lawrence didn't play a month. I- I don't even think he should have been second. a finalist for the Heisman, let alone finishing in second place. You're telling me. I completely, yeah. a thousand percent agree with you. He should not have even been in the discussion, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I didn't learn anything about Alabama. Um, Nick Saban has said that it's that they don't know what the deal is with Waddle yet. Uh, Jake is going on record and saying that Jalen Waddle is going to play in the game. He's going to play. I can see it. For full disclosure – it is not confirmed as of yet, and that is coming from the mouth of Nick Saban. Um, Ohio State Clemson. Um, I want Nick Saban to come out and say that he ranked Ohio State twenty third in the country. That'd be great. Saban That'd be not awesome. That stupid. Saban is not that stupid. No, we we saw but that I would coming. love it. It'd be great. We, yeah, we we saw that from a mile away. We we should have had some uh, Kahuna's. And bet on the Ohio money, State money line. On the money line. Yeah, we uh, we, fucking we should have. We saw it coming uh, the entire way. And just the the Ohio State offensive line, folks, is no joke. They completely dominated that game in the trenches and gave ju- – Justin Fields made some great throws, throwing lasers all over the place. Other than when he was illegally hit by uh, that, that, that guy from – I don't know his last name, but – uh, Sta- Stockis, Stasky, or something like that. Stasky, Stasky, yes. Whatever his name is, uh, he's whatever. Was Justin Fields hit the rest of the night? I, no, I, I think he had all day. I think he could have made a phone call back there in the pocket on some of those touchdown passes. And we clearly see. We talked about it last podcast. He's a different quarterback with Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. Um, under uh, you know, why he right. made the difference. He, he made, made a huge he made difference. The difference. And going to Trey Sermon, then Master Teague has been paying off for the Buckeyes. They found themselves an identity. And this guy, Trey Sermon, he's going to be flying up some draft boards, I think. Uh, I if think he has so another too. performance like he had. And even out of the backfield, catching the football. When do we see the Ohio State running backs really get involved in the passing game? You don't really see it too often. They're even the only, using their tight ends, too. The only one that I can really remember that was pretty consistent with catching the football was Zeke. Because we because it was Zeke generational kind of running back talent that he could he could I could do all. I love J.K. Dobbins, but yeah, Zeke well, was, was great. Yeah, Zeke was the guy that I could consistently say was catching passes out of the backfield. Not even J.K. wasn't even consistent with J.K. Dobbins as much. Zeke, it was pretty consistent, but Trey Sermon has looked unbelievable. When, and I, listen, I didn't think that Ohio State would just be able to throw their way around the field like they were able to they're, do. They're, yeah, they're, they're, you know, I know we're transitioning to Monday, but that ain't happening on Monday night. This no. is, no. The, it's the, a different the, animal. No, 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 no. So, It is a completely different animal that Ohio State are going to be going up against. This is consensus, the best team in the country. 
um, the most consistent program that there's been in the last 10 to 15 years of college football in Alabama. Um, look, it really, for me, the key to this game comes down to Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is right and he is able to read the Alabama defense, the Alabama secondary can be had. It can. That seems like the strength of their team, though. Yeah, Patrick Sertan, uh, the second as the high draft pick. Mm-hmm in the NFL draft. And that's what a lot of people in college football are saying was that that's why it's such a big test for fields because Alabama strength is their secondary on defense. Mm-hmm. If that makes yeah, sense. It is. So, no, it hundred percent um, is, but it can be, it, it has had moments though. Like we saw against Florida in the SEC championship game. That's a good example. Florida was moving the ball. Yeah. With, without much effort. So yep. I, I agree with you there, but the, you were right though. If fields is a hundred percent healthy with those ribs, it's going to be a ball game. I think. And I don't know though, Jake, if it's going to be an air show, so to speak from Ohio state. I think that is the way that Ohio state can win the game is if Alabama does not defend the big play. Cause we saw it against Clemson. It was just big play after big play after big play from Justin Fields to pick whatever receiver you want. Alave. I don't think that's going to be the same thing. I think they're, they're going to have to be more prolonged, longer drives from Ohio State, keep the Alabama offense off the field, keep if Waddle plays, keep Waddle, uh, Devontae Smith, uh, Mac Jones, and Najee Harris, keep them off the field. So we'll, we'll see a bit of Trey Sermon. I am sure of that. But what happens if Alabama goes up 14 nothing, and Ohio State has yeah, to – no they have to start throwing the ball. They have to. And what does that do to uh, to Justin Fields? Um, for Alabama, I mean, this is this is pretty simple. It's and I hate I hate to be the guy that says, "Oh, the keys to the game are the quarterbacks." But Mac Jones has got to be able to do what he's been what he's done all year, and that is just be smart. Do not try and play hero ball. When you have Jalen, Devonta Smith, I think for me, the way that I would go is using Jalen Waddle as sort of a decoy where you kind of take guys off of the line of scrimmage. They have to back off, play deeper in coverage, and that allows Najee Harris to just have his way in the trenches. Yeah, uh, I do think he'll be more of a decoy because obviously he's not going to be 100% if there's even any doubt of him playing in this game. But uh, I just think it's going to be uh, – I think it's truly the two best teams in college football. I'm not going to lie. I think Ohio State was clearly the better team than Clemson. And this is the test for Justin Fields. And uh, just looking ahead in the crystal ball, if Justin Fields does what he did against Clemson, the Jets have a big decision to make at number two because the, the pick, the offers you're going to get for that pick are going to be off the chains because you have a clear and distinct – quarterback two of the draft and I don't think there's going to be much of debate between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields if he puts up what is it six touchdowns uh 340 yards something absurd like that Mm -hmm. against a Nick Saban defense and uh just one last point on Nick Saban he has struggled against the mobile quarterback in the past I have to acknowledge it does kind of give me some vibes of a Deshaun Watson for the first when he beat Nick Saban's defense as a member of Clemson sure it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game, but I think the tide will pull through. I'm going to do the same thing that I did. 
when I picked Clemson, Ohio State pulled through for me. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to say Alabama win. And I will even go as far as to say I think Alabama will cover as well. I think the line now, last I saw, I believe I believe it was eight. Um, so people are were hammering the uh, the seven and a half for uh, uh, for Alabama. I, I would prefer seven if I could buy that down a point. Maybe if you could buy it down a point, a I would prefer, I would prefer seven as well. Yeah. Um, as we look at, it is eight, by the way. Okay. Over under, it's at seventy five right now. I kind of like under. I know it's a little bit of an unpopular take, but that's a lot of points, and just it really takes one slow quarter. And like you said, if Ohio State is to win the game, I feel like it kind of has to be an under because I think a, sh- a shootout definitely favors Alabama more now. I I think so. So I definitely think so. I think I'd say it's tough for me to take an over over seventy five points, man. I gotta say. So I think I would go under, but I, I don't think I would touch that line because it really could go either way. No, I would I would not touch it either. Uh, if you feel – if you're looking for a value sort of play, um, the history of Ohio State as an underdog is well-known at this point. They are very, very, very good when they are not favored. If you want to throw good money on Ohio State money line, it's at plus 240 right now. I think that's great value. I would not, me personally, I would not touch Alabama money lines at 305. No. Would not I touch would, that. The value is with Ohio State. Uh, we're in agreement there. Yeah. I think that that is the way that smart money would uh, would go. So that is going to be it for the Basement Talk podcast. Of course, you are here. Of course, you are listening to this program. Why not go check out some of the other programs that the Basement Talk Podcast Family Podcast has to offer, including the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, the Basement Talk Podcast Quizitation on the Basement Talk Podcast Debate, and go check out the Jets Way Podcast, where you can hear Jake. Go go do it. Why not? Subscribe to him. Let him know that you were sent by the Basement Talk Podcast. It'd be wonderful to have your support in that endeavor. So for Jake, I'm Bird. Bye-bye. We go in this crazy world of choices I've